Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Another day of spellbinding tennis wraps up at La Caja Magica, the magic box in Madrid. Welcome to TC Live, our half-hour post-game show to get you caught up on all the big news. Plenty of highlights and interviews on the way. Plus, we will look ahead to Roger Federer's return on the red dirt and see the very first court Ash Barty played on. As we welcome you into our studios here in Santa Monica, California, Steve Weissman, Hall of Famer Jim Courier, and Hall of Famer Andy Roddick over there on the big screen rocking the new Sweetens Cove logoed hat. Andy, I like that little little crown there. Appreciate you. I am fully ready and engaged for Weissmania. Let's go. Yes. All right. <laughs> Andy's on board, Jim. You've, you've gotten everybody in. It's game time. We break everyone down over time. <laughs> <laughs> How about Stefano Tsitsipas breaking down his opponent, Benoit Paire, today? Same type of relentless pressure. Yeah, Tsitsipas just looks so good out there. So confident, comfortable. He's having an amazing clay court season. And for Benoit Paire, he was at least back into somewhat of a, a better headspace uh, game-wise. Always going to be a tricky matchup for him. Andy, this is a guy, Sitsipas, who has beaten Rafa Nadal in Madrid. That was as a 20-year-old. What do you make of Sitsipas right now? Yeah, he's great. He seems like he has complete control. Uh, even He's not really having those dips, you know, like he had sometimes where he loses a set. You don't really know why. Uh, this was always going to kind of be one-way traffic with what we've seen from Pair this year versus what we've seen from Tsitsipas. And, uh, you know, we certainly look forward. He's uh, amongst the short list of, of favorites for Roland Garros. No, no question. And by the way, Tsitsipas, still the youngest player of the 25 who have beaten Rafa Nadal on clay. Would we get somebody to break that today? It was the matchup of the master and the apprentice. Rafa Nadal, Carlos Alcaraz, and Rafa, when he was 18, won his first of five titles in Madrid, beat Ivan Lubacic, fifth set tiebreaker back then. Uh, The event was actually played on an indoor hard court. Today, fans at Manola Santana Stadium singing happy birthday. Alcaraz stepping onto the court against his childhood idol, turning 18 years old today, a moment he will always remember. But once they started playing, Jim, all the celebrating was done by Rafa. Yeah, he actually had a break point in the opening game of the match, wasn't able to get it, and Nadal was able to hold on. And look, this is always going to be challenging for him. How do you, This was a real tough moment, actually, because he hurt himself trying to get to that spike backhand overhead, came up clutching his chest was seen by the the physio, had to take a medical timeout, very strange location for any kind of pain. Thankfully, was able to play on, play through it. But like most players, when they first meet Rafa, they just don't know what to to really do out there. And for him, his philosophy was to try and hit winners. And what he did instead was hit a lot of unforced errors. And Rafa was feasting on everything else that was available. Played a very clinical match, did Nadal. um, Very buttoned-up tennis from the king and for Alcarez still in defeat a great day all in hopefully that injury not a serious or substantial one but he's got one for the memory books gets to play Rafa in Spain on center court on his birthday not the results he wanted but still a magical moment to come up 
and shake hands and spend some time with this man. Rafa now 18-0 against teenagers on clay. And let's hear from the king. For me, it's, uh, it's, it's great to be back here playing in Madrid uh, in front of this amazing crowd. Just uh, enjoy it a lot. Uh, I wish him all the very best. He's a great guy and uh, a great player already, but going to be amazing, I think. So, uh, yeah, it's an important victory for me. Uh, it's not time to, to enjoy much. Tomorrow, another tough opponent, probably. I don't know, Poprino or Sinner yet. Uh, not sure yet. But look, let's see, you know, uh, going to be uh, two young, great players, so I hope to be ready for it. I think he'll be ready. Uh, Andy, what do you make of this match from both sides, from Rafa dominating and then from the 18-year-old playing his childhood idol on the main court in Madrid? Obviously, uh, a big moment for Alcaraz, maybe a little bit overwhelming, but the one shot that I always look for with Rafa, when he is feeling it and when he starts extending the court, is the depth he's able to get on that ball where he attacks up the line off the forehand side. If he's getting depth on that, he forces you to make a decision because he has that one where he can flip it cross court. It goes up and away. We've seen him use it against Roger up high on that backhand uh, year after year after year. When he starts firing in all cylinders up the line, creating that depth, the court becomes so big. There is so much ground to cover. And in those highlights, you saw two or three of those where, you know, it, it was just kind of an open space. He's going after that ball. In, uh, in Monte Carlo, in Barcelona, you didn't really see that one. And when we did, when he did go up the line, it was kind of often inside the service line, which isn't nearly effective. Watch out if he starts dialing in that shot. Watch out. I'm watching out. Also <laughs> watching out for his second serve, which was problematic for him in Monte Carlo. Didn't have seem, seemingly any troubles with that. Hopefully he's put that aside. Remember, he had seven double faults. Seven double faults in his loss to Rublev in Monaco. So... Anyway, looking better for him, but the, the beat goes on, the, the draw goes on. He's going to have to keep rolling. I'm curious, just because he called Alcaraz the future of Spanish tennis on Instagram after this. How much pressure is he putting on this 18-year-old? Shots fired. Davidich Filkina is furious. I can see the, <laughs> see the press, Andy. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I had that label because of uh, you giants that came before me. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's tough. Um, but, at, but at a certain point, you're going to have to deal with pressure, you know, if you're going to be that guy. So for me, you know, people were saying it, and it was kind of its own its own thing that had to be dealt with. But if you want to be successful, if you want to be playing at the tail end of majors, pressure is going to manifest itself in a million ways. And I actually think it's good for someone to kind of have those reps and and take on that that mantle at an early age. To you have time to adjust. If it makes you a little uncomfortable a year or two in, you're still only 20 years old. So. I actually think it's a net positive, and to have the confidence of someone like a Rafa Nadal, uh, someone like your idol. Uh, I remember, Jim, you were you were very nice and gracious to me when I came out with your kind of commentary and take. So uh, I think it's a, I think it's all good. You're going to have eyeballs on you, and it, it's good for him to get matches like this on a, on a big stage. It's certainly an honor, and as Billie Jean King said, pressure is a privilege, yep. right? All right. Uh, Diego Schwartzman told our Prakash Amitraj in Miami he wanted revenge against Aslan Karatsev. Beat him at the Australian Open in straight sets. Well, today he got his chance, and it was going his way early, Andy. Yeah, I mean, he, but you look at the points he's winning. He has to fire that while moving to the side, going up the line. This is a pretty good matchup for Karatsev because he's able to have time. And when he has time, he throws his calves into it. He just rips the ball. So, you know, not surprising that he's kind of gotten the better of him. 
in Australia. This is a decent matchup for him, especially in Madrid when it's sunny. You can make the ball move a little bit. Uh, I thought it was a good effort for Schwartzman to get through that first set, but you know, you give Karatsev too much time. He can take the forehand. He especially likes going that way, but when he starts hitting that ball at the line also, it's anybody's guess. I mentioned the other day, it does such a great job of kind of holding that forehand and making you kind of check step. Uh, but when he's creating space up the lines, uh, tough to beat. You know Diego Schwartzman is always going to fight until the end. But that, I think it's just a tough matchup for Schwartzman against someone like Karatsev who's able to create that kind of pace. Fourth top ten win of the year for the Rush. In meantime, it was quarterfinal day for the ladies. Start with an incredible matchup. World number one, Ash Barty, taking on three-time Madrid champ Petra Kvitova for the tenth time, Andy. Yeah, and that's not the rally you want to see uh, from Kvitova. Lucky for, I mean, she did great mixing it up. I love those serving volleys. She's not going to win those extended rallies against Barty, especially how informed Barty is, taking it out of the air. Uh, credit to her for making those tactical adjustments and really kind of forcing the issue. I think that's the only way she would have a chance in this match. Great to battle back, but Barty is so match-tested at this point, moving so well, has all the shots. You see the variety that we've come to, to know and love from her. Uh, has just played so well recently, and getting through three setters, you know, not losing to players in the top ten. I, I forget what the stat is, but many, 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 many ten in a row. Ten in a row, Andy. Uh, yeah, she's just, she's just tough right now, and it was a tall ask for Kvitova. Credit to her for, for at least making it a match, but Barty is playing great right now, not giving any points away. Uh, you got to play great stuff against her right now for an extended period of time, and you know she just is is, is deserving these wins right now. And nice handshake, obviously, or, or hug between between friends there. But I, I think Barty's playing uh, the, the best in the world right now. Uh, you know, Osaka not quite comfortable on clay and grass right now. Barty certainly is. All right, Jim. Grand Slam winning doubles partners: Arena Sabalenka, Elisa Mertens, putting the friendship aside on court today, and Sabalenka. Had that tiger blood working. She did. She's got so much good momentum. What a season she is offering. Just a tough out. She's playing very aggressive tennis. And on this slippery surface here, very difficult to find your footing. And for Mertens, it was not just difficult there. She also had difficulty with her own body. She had a medical timeout. Uh, had, had to have her, her quad slash hamstring looked at. She was already well down in the count in this match when that happened, but now she's taped up, as you can see, and she ended up just stopping play. She, she just couldn't keep going. So this was one-way traffic and a surprise and a, a really nice moment uh, of tenderness there and obviously disappointment for, uh, for Mertens not to be able to finish it, but Sabalenka is just playing too well right now, Steve. Eight and one on the dirt thus far this year. By the way, happy birthday, Arena Sabalenka turned 23 today. Happy birthday, Chris Eubanks as well, our friend celebrating a birthday today. Eubanks. Yeah. Nice. It's a big birthday day he's in got the a, tennis world. He's got a baby face. He's aging well. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, which of these matchups do you like in Thursday? Uh, I'm curious to see how Dominic Team comes. Obviously, he played uh, Jerome today. Jerome was a, 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 had about half of a body after that, that three-and-a-half-hour uh, brawl the day before. Curious to see how he comes back. There's been an extended layup. Demon Hour is obviously going to uh, make him play a bunch of balls. Kind of plays a, a weird game where he lays back sometimes and gets super aggressive sometimes. Not the easiest if you haven't uh, gotten a lot of match reps. Interested to see what, what Dominic Team is going to bring. Jim, which one do you like? I mean, there's so much to choose from. For me, can Badoza beat Barty again? Barty is not lost many matches, but she's lost to Paola and Charleston, right? Yeah, that's right. For it. It's her only lost since February. Yeah. How about them apples? What do you like? <laughs> I like the fact that Pavlyuchenkova won again today into the semifinals, and she was asked after the match, who do you want to play, Sabalenka or Mertens? said, uh, it doesn't matter. I just want to walk over. 
<laughs> well, yeah, that's great answer. Great answer. My favorite opponent always one that I can beat. Exactly. All right, still to come. We look ahead to Rogers' return on Red Dirt. What can we expect from Federer on clay this year? The answer's forthcoming. You're watching TC Live. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. treat just seven months after that we're back in paris get ready for grand slam excitement on the red clay don't miss extensive daily live coverage of roland garros on tennis channel and tc plus beginning sunday may 30th well before paris roger federer is going to play geneva so he's going to get a little tennis on the red clay in before going to roland garros Mm -hmm. has that one title there in 2009 but Reading the tea leaves uh, may not sound great for Roger right now. Take a look at this quote from Team Fed and his quote, uh, coach, Severin Luti, saying that Roger, in terms of fitness, is lagging behind. It's always special for us to play in Switzerland, but what do you make of this, Jim? Not great news if you're a Roger Federer fan, which most of us are. Um, you know, fitness is, is going to be the biggest factor for him going forward because he won't lose his artistry with the racket. He just might not be in position to hit as many great shots if his fitness isn't there. And if, he, if we're, they're concerned about fitness also, what kind of fitness questions are they? Is it, is it a question of, of health? Is it a question of we're behind on our cardio and we're concerned about best of five? There are lots of different sort of layers to peel with that, and we don't have that info. Well, we got to bring in Paul Anacon to TC Live, although he's been waking up pretty early. But yes. nope, he <laughs> would give us some more intel. But it's, it's worrisome. There's no doubt about it. Luzzi, Severin Luzzi said that he hasn't been able to train like he would like to heading into a major tournament, mm-hmm. Andy. So, I mean, if you can't do that, you know, what are your expectations for him at this stage heading into Geneva and Roland Garros? Well, what I will tell you is Roger throughout his career has not played events that he's not ready to play. He has been fine sitting out weeks, months, especially late in his career. He's been very pragmatic about what he plays you know at this point in his career what this tells me is he wants to get play in front of his home crowd he wants to play Roland Garros maybe he doesn't know what next year brings and it it, it, for me it, it 
if he's not feeling fully fit, this says he wants a chance to, to, to potentially say goodbye to Roland Garros if next year doesn't happen. And that's something we don't know at this point, but completely out of character for Roger and his team to kind of go in into something without feeling prepared. They're lowering expectations, which, I mean, that, that's good for Roger, right? So you go in, you say, oh, we're not as fit. Whatever he does is, is, is a little bit of a bonus. I don't think you can lower <laughs> expectations for Roger. I don't think you, don't think you no. can lower his expectations. I mean, he'll be a realistic and understand if his body's limited what it's there for. But all of this, Clay, is just a preamble to the main course, which is the grass court season. That's what he's really trying to get himself ready for, Andy, for sure. I don't know that he's that concerned about results as much as how does his body come off the clay and into the grass. Yeah, match reps are just completely different. Jim's absolutely right. So playing a couple practice sets, going through your fitness, is just not the same as actually getting match value uh, so getting in Geneva, take your lumps. Hopefully you win some matches. Go to Roland Garros. See how your body feels over over best of five. But, yeah, that, that's a base layer for the run that he wants to make at Wimbledon. That's, that, that's his best shot uh, of a major by far at this point in his career. Absolutely. He's played two matches in 16 months. Yes. So we shall see. But hopefully get some matches in in Geneva, home country. Got the vibes going there. Then we head to Roland Garros. Roger Federer auctioning off some Grand Slam memorabilia to benefit his foundation, including Andy, the shoes he wore in a certain Wimbledon victory back in 2005. Your memory, man, man, screw those shoes. <laughs> I don't. I, I, we don't need to. We don't need to see those things. Um, you know, I, I, I tell you, I can tell you who's not going to bid on those. <laughs> I, that guy? I, 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 that guy right there. I will not be bidding on those. I can promise you that, Steve. I, ne- I never want to see those shoes again. <laughs> um, th- those shoes are up for auction. Also, the, the outfit he wore when he yep. won Wimbledon in 2007, I believe, and also the Roland Garros outfit from 2009. It's amazing stuff for collectors. I mean, you see a lot of people that have Muhammad Ali's boxing gloves, I and mean, this is along those lines for a, a tennis fan who loves Roger Federer. It's a piece of history. A lot of that stuff you'll actually find at the International Tennis Hall of Fame when you get a chance to go visit. That's back open again here this summer. So it's cool that that Roger's making this available for fans and doing it for his foundation. Collection estimated to be worth more than a million bucks. So good stuff for Roger. Oh, Andy's still thinking about it. Those shoes, get rid of them. Back on TC Live, Jim, Andy, Steve, John Isner meeting Roberto Bautista Groot Agut for the second time in five weeks. Had that heartbreaking loss in Miami. Could he turn the tables today, Andy? Yeah, I mean, you know, John loves this court. He said the other day that this, these are potentially his best serving conditions of the year. And how to hear voices in a loud roar at a tennis match. Absolutely phenomenal. But John was camped out. He was able to establish position in that corner, was getting a ton of forehands, which is what he needs to do to win these base on rallies. He's not going to win back in the back end. So props to him for realizing uh, where the value was on the court. You see him getting more forehands here and kind of going after it, playing attacking tennis. When he's doing that, he is at his best. And obviously the serve, first serve, second serve, it all works. And uh frightening when he says best serving conditions of the year. Uh, I personally would want no piece of that. Uh, credit Batista Agu for hanging in, but Isner a little revenge uh, for their Miami match. Big win for Isner. 32 aces in that match. Daniil Medvedev playing his first match since Miami. 
has a love-hate relationship on this on this surface, taking on Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, Jim. Yeah, he's trying to get off the schneid. Never won a match in Madrid. Lost the first set, got a little bit fired up, and also found a better rhythm on his first serve in sets two. And he'd find himself in set three and keep that rhythm. So he made his way into the third set. Just so high on the first serve, up around 80% for those two sets. And he's quick. That's the thing about Medvedev. He looks a little bit kind of gawky and, and his limbs are flying everywhere. But he chews up the ground movement-wise, even on this surface, able to do it. So a big win for him. Davidovich Fokina, no slouch, a, a Spaniard. And he gets through. And that's uh, got to be a little sweet relief. Absolutely. First win on play since April of 2019, Andy. Uh, He said during this match, I cannot do damage to a bad surface. It's already damaged. I don't get it. Like, he made the finals in Barcelona a couple years ago. He's a great player. Why does he feel this way? I don't know, but I appreciate the honesty. I I, I could, I, listen... I want to match and, you know, so-and-so played well in Rome. That doesn't mean two years later when I'm struggling on clay because it's not my best service that I'm not having those same thoughts. I love (laughs) characters in tennis. I love the honesty. We've lost kind of the inside look at a lot of players and what they're thinking because we don't have those interactions with the umpire anymore with the with the review and everything else. So I'm all for personality all day. <laughs> no, it was great stuff. And then afterward, on the camera, guess what he did? He wrote, love Clay. <laughs> <laughs> Fake it till you make it, Daniel. <laughs> Time now to enter the social net. And speaking to Clay, Roland Garros, good news. We're going to have more fans this year, Jim. Take a look at that. That's right, 1,000 fans per court. And uh, that will increase as we get to the quarterfinals, according to the sports minister. They anticipate 5,000 fans on both uh, Susan Longland and on uh, Chatrier once we get out to the second week. So that's great news. Last year it was 1,000 fans, period, allowed for the tournament per day. So that's wonderful for everyone involved. That's going to fill the coffers of the FFT a little bit more, which is great. But more than anything, it's going to fill the grounds with energy, and everyone's going to enjoy that, especially the players. Who does that benefit, Andy? Uh, the, the top seeds, lower-ranked players? Us fans watching where there's some atmosphere and we're not having to deal in silence and kind of awkward shots uh, of the box nonstop. But this is responsible. This is safe. They have enough big courts there where you can spread out. You don't have to be close to anyone. So uh, I think this is a great decision. I think it's a responsible decision. And uh, selfishly, I want to see some action. You want to see some fans jump in. As I mentioned during that Isner highlight, it was so great to hear the roar of a crowd. It gave me goosebumps watching it. Benoit Paris is going to have some motivation now, playing in Paris. A lot of folks cheering for him there. Uh, Jim, you found this one. Ash Barty's first ever court, wall. This is at her home, the brick wall. Yeah, you can see they boarded it up and did something else with it. And, and the parents are doing some remodeling, and they found that brick wall with the tape that she put on there, the makeshift duct tape. It's a little high. I mean, I spent a ton of my, my early childhood playing on a racquetball court against the wall that never missed. I loved it. In many ways, I miss that sort of tranquility, and she would love to know how many hours she spent uh, playing against a brick wall. Andy, you got any of that in your uh, history? Absolutely. This is taking me back. It's giving me all sorts of good feelings. In our garage, we had a rebound net where it was, you know, hooked on a metal frame, and it would come back, and I would pretend I was, you know, uh, all my favorite players in Becker and Lendl and Edberg, and if I went back too far, my racket would hit the back of the garage. So this is so cool to see. It gives me all the good feels. I love it. That's great stuff. Love to hear those stories, and uh, the wall never misses. Never misses. A A champion for all time. This is our schedule on Thursday, beginning bright and early, 5 a.m. Eastern, of course. 
We've got Ari and Nick on our Valley's RSN coverage. TC Live coming at you 5 Eastern. Rada Courier Weissman back on TC Live. Here is the lineup. Dominic Team taking on Alex Dimonor, 5 a.m. Eastern from Madrid. Karatsev Bublik. How about Barty and Bedosa? Barty looking for some revenge there. Rafa taking on the youngster, Alexi Popperin, who beat Yannick Sinner today. Let's head back to Madrid for a preview with Danny and Prakash. All right, Steve, back here at the DraftKings desk. Mr. Prakash, worldwide, which match do you have your eye on for Thursday? Well, I know a lot of people might say Popperin and Nadal, but I'm going Evans and Zverev. First night match, I'm a big fan of clean ball striking. I could look at Evans' backhand all day, and Zverev impressed me so much in that first match of his. I can't wait to see that one. Well, it's also semifinals for the women on Thursday. So can wildcard and hometown hero Paula Pedosa continue this run all the way into the final? Well, she did take out Ash Barty in Charleston not too long ago. Bit of a different situation here. But she's got all the good feels, all the emotion, and all the crowd support right here behind her. It's her home city. I'd love to see the Cinderella run continue. But uh, Ash is looking pretty strong. It's going to be a fun day of action here, Steve. All right, thanks so much. First Spaniard to reach the Final Four in Madrid on the women's side, Paula Bedosa. Uh, Rafa Nadal taking on Alexi Popperin, who, by the way, said he's going to look back at some tape of Robin Soderling beating him 2009 at Roland Garros. Here's our hot shot of the day, Jim. Yeah, this was some sweet stuff here. Nadal against Alcaraz. Lots of different shot selections from the youngster. And Rafa with the dunk. This was unfortunately also the point that injured uh, the just-turned-18-year-old, but uh, Nadal, the spinning move here, and then the backhand dunk overhead. That is not an easy shot to get a lot of stick on, but we know Rafa's got some pretty good muscle, and he was able to get it off the court enough. Yeah, I mean, it, one of the craziest things is him going backwards, looking over his shoulder while also sliding to time up kind of the lob that got over his head. It's, there's, there's so many things about Rafa Nadal that we take for granted. I know the highlight was about the backhand smash, but just the, the seamless transition from net moving forward, gets over his head, comes back, seamlessly times it, gets neutral right away. Uh, I mean, the guy's just an artist. <laughs> he does it all, and he's looking for his sixth wow. title here in Madrid, which, by the way, trails all the other ones, right? I mean, he's got multiple, just, more than ten. Just six. That's it. Just six. <laughs> Poor guy. At one place. I mean, yeah, it's nothing. <laughs> All right, Andy Roddick, back on the show tomorrow. Jimmy, you've got the day off, right? Uh, not from calling matches, but I'll miss you guys. Weissmania will have to live without me. All right, we'll take a day off for you, but we'll have you back on the next day. Please invite. <laughs> Thanks for watching TC Live.